and I am from Perth, Western Australia. And mostly I am what I call myself a novice mum. <laughs> I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and they have completely ruined my life. <laughs> and um, here they are. This is Liberty, my little firecracker. She is radically beautiful and amazing. And this is my little boy, and his name is Maximus. And um, yeah, four years ago when he came into my life, it completely teared my heart open. And I didn't realize that I could love as much as, as I do. Going back to the beginning, so I do write. I write on a blog pretty much most days. And it's just my name, really easy. <laughs> and I'm also on radio um, across Australia, actually, and into New Zealand with a program that I co-founded with a couple of my really good friends. And it's called Kin Women. And the whole heart of Kin Women is to encourage women to start conversations that matter. And often as women, we talk about all the stuff that actually doesn't really matter because we're kind of like, ah, and then it's like actually getting right to the heart of what matters. So our mandate is to start conversations with women that matter. So we have a really amazing online um, portfolio that sends out lots of inspiration and quotes to women, and we're also on radio every day, and we've just started doing some live broadcasts, and it's an amazing part of our life. And, um, but truthfully, 75% of my week is with my children. And I absolutely love it. Let me introduce you to the man that gave me children, <laughs> and his name is Charles. So he's in the middle there. He was a professional bodybuilder, which was really lovely to get to know him when we first got together. <laughs> and he, um, he represented New Zealand um, in, the, in the World Championships and came forth. And, um, but now he actually works in the prison with juvenile offenders. And he does resistance training programs with young men, nine-year-olds who have committed murder, 11-year-olds who have done unspeakable things. And he takes them to the gym and he pumps weights and he talks to them. He does talk about Jesus, um, but he is not a chaplain. And it is a really interesting um, part of our life, but it is just so precious and vulnerable, but amazing. Just this week, a few nights before I came here, he came in late at night after working a 12-hour shift, and he brought to me and he said, this is one of the, the boy's shoes, and his shoes has all, all rips on them, and they get to a part of their rehabilitation where they don't have to wear prison clothes anymore, they can wear their own clothes that they've come into the prison with. And the young boy was really upset because everyone's kind of got their family to bring in shoes, but he couldn't get shoes. And so Charles said to me, Amanda, will you stitch up his shoes for him? So I sat there at 11 o'clock at night and stitched up his shoes and my husband snuck them back into the prison. And that's kind of the man that I do my days with and his heart for those who are broken is absolutely inspiring. And so at the end of last year, my husband had been talking for a long time about something that he wanted to do outside of his work as his voluntary co contribution because I do heaps of kind of, I have my fingers in lots of pies, but that's how I've always lived. And um, 
So he said, I want to launch a business, but I want the business, the profits above the running costs. We don't pay anyone to work in the business, but the profit above the running cost of the business, I want to give that away to projects that take kids out of the streets and get them involved in surfing. So in December last year, we launched a business called Maximus and Liberty, and we named it after our children. Um, please, Lord, do not give me any more children because we'll have to name them .com. And anyway, the whole heart behind our business is legacy. We want our children to walk in legacy and to know that they live in a legacy of generosity, of kindness, of strength, of freedom, and that's what we're about. So we set out, we put our savings into manufacturing surfboards and stand-up paddle boards. So that's what we did. And we launched the business and we put it out there and we got a whole stock of surfboards and stand-up paddle boards and then the profit above it, um, we want to give away two projects. We've got four different projects that we support. And so I've got a photo of one of our boards here. Um, in December, we launched it. We sold out of our paddle boards within two weeks, and um, we're manufacturing more now. My husband designed them, but it's been this whirlwind of entrepreneurialism and innovation and learning, but we want to live our lives learning and growing and changing. And so Maximus and Liberty is our new venture, so watch this space and... Support us if you want. We've got some hats out in the foyer, which are only $10, and um, all the money from those hats go straight overseas. They're cool snapbacks and truckers, and anyway, that is kind of my life. It is random, and you may hear all of that and go, wow, that's like really big, but honestly, most of my life is very, very ordinary very ordinary. I take my kids to kindy, my kid to kindy. I stand in the queue at Woolworths. I hang out with people at the laundromat when I've forgotten to wash my clothes and I'm going on a trip and I need clothes. <laughs> I'm very ordinary. I'm a very ordinary person if you get to know me. But at the same time, Jesus Christ has radically intersected my life and transformed me. He has transformed me. This is my son's Mother's Day kindergarten questionnaire this year, and I'll prove to you how ordinary I am. My mum, the best thing that she cooks is chicken nuggets. When I am at school, my mum does everything. We like doing everything together. My mum looks beautiful every day, and my mum is 10 years old. And I'm like, I will carry that with me everywhere I go. <laughs> and I'm so ordinary that I studied theology in university, and this Tuesday night, I laid in bed exhausted as a novice mum, and my four-year-old who asks me question after question after question after question, as I was just getting him to sleep and praying, we were talking to Jesus, and he was like, Mum, really? Jesus is not here. And I was like, yes, he is. 
well, where is he? And I'm laying there, and on Tuesday night, I said, you know, Max, he's like Father Christmas. And then I was like, what did I just say? <laughs> I totally got it wrong. Someone who studied theology, someone who gets on stages and speaks. I'm ordinary. I'm a mum. I was tired. I was trying to explain how to explain to my four-year-old in his language who Jesus is. And I just totally got it wrong. <laughs> and I talked to my husband that night and I was like, this is what I said. And he's like, that is not a great way to talk to your son about Jesus. And I'm like, I know, how do I fix this? But that's my life. I'm constantly making up and discovering and exploring my everyday with God. But we live in a culture that tells us that we need to be extraordinary. Actually, the contemporary church culture has thrived in some ways, but in some ways created this gap between what is successful, what is amazing, what is influential. We've created extraordinary superhuman beings. But that is opposite to the way that our God works. Our God did not send a superhero. He did not send some worldwide evangelistic speaker who traveled the world and created these big stadiums with people. He sat, he loved, mostly he cooked lots of fish, and he hung out in very ordinary places. Every single one of us has an everyday ordinary this, for me, is just an extraordinary Sunday. But tomorrow, I'll sit on a train from Newcastle to the airport, get in economy and fly home to my children, get off the plane, go and cook dinner for them, go to family night with my family, and need, not have to, need to bring Jesus to my family. I need to bring the gift that God has given me to my ordinary, to the table when I sit at, where my divorced parents will sit at my table tomorrow night. I need to bring Jesus to the table. That is my ordinary. That is my everyday. And Romans, in the message version, says it in the best way that I have heard. And because I am creative and feminine, I love the message. So still love me with that. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture that's around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. And he develops a well-formed maturity in you. Maturity is developed in ordinary. Gifts are developed in ordinary. 
Prophecy is developed in ordinary. Your life, your ministry, your calling, your purpose is developed and formed in your ordinary. You are called to Monday morning. You are not called to Sunday. You are called to Monday to bring what God has in your life to pass. Sunday is an overflow of Monday and how we walk out every day of our life. For me, I worked in a really large church in Perth, Riverview Church, for over 12 years. I was on their leadership team and I was the creative minister over creativity in there for over a decade. And we did the most phenomenal stuff together and it was the most amazing part of our life. Pastor Phil has come and visited to our church many times. I came and spoke at the C3 College when it was, was here back in the day. And it was a big part of my life, being a minister on staff and, and loving God's people and growing with our church to a place where our church was over 5,000 people. But I got to the place where I gave birth to my little boy and I thought six months after um, I had had my little boy that we would be, we would be going, I would be going back to church and working in ministry. Ministry. <laughs> and I really strongly felt God show me, tell me that I wasn't to go back. And I couldn't understand it. We still go to Riverview. I'm a volunteer. And I rock up on Sunday and I sit up the back in a very ordinary place. And I'm a part of our church community. I have an amazing connect group. But my life as a mum has actually been quite ordinary. And right at that point where I was really wrestling with God and I was wrestling with nappies and sleeplessness and sickness and all of those beautiful things. <laughs> I was standing in my kitchen, and if we can go to the photo where the cross is on the wall, I was standing in my kitchen, and I was asking God, and I was like, God, what should I do? Should I go back to work? I knew the answer already, but I was just doing a double check. Like, it was like, you know, come on, God, listen to me. So this is my house where I was at that point. And I was like, God... Tell me, please, am I meant to go back to work? And as I asked that question in the kitchen, there was a big knock at my front door. And I walked over. We were in a very small apartment. And I walked over and my little boy was in our lounge room. And I opened the door. And there was a young lady standing at my door. And she looked like she'd lived a very hard life. And she looked at me. And I had a baby gate on our front door. And she said, can I come in? And so this gate's between us, and I was like, oh, okay. And she really looked like she'd had a difficult time, and I said, of course. So I opened the gate, and I let her in. And we walked together into my lounge room. She kind of was just staring at my house, which is pretty weird when someone you don't know at all, and there's been no introduction, and they're looking at your house. And I'm like, this is really not safe with my six-month-old baby here. And she looked at me and she said, I used to live in this apartment. I used to live in this apartment and I was like, wow, it was really bad when I bought it. <laughs> like, she's like, it's changed so much. And I'm like, yes, it has. <laughs> it's 
smoke-filled carpets. And, and she said, when I lived here, it was the worst time of my life. She said, I was in a relationship that was a domestically violent relationship. And in that corridor that she started to walk down into my corridor, where you see that cross there, she said, I was beaten in this corridor and an ambulance came to take me away. And then she saw the cross and she said, she kind of creeped back towards me and she whispered, do you know Jesus? And I was like, I love Jesus. She was like, I just came to know Jesus at the Salvation Army two weeks ago and he told me to come here. And I was like, wow. And so we prayed and chatted and then she went to go. She looked back at me as she was leaving and she said, do you like coffee? I was like, I kind of live on coffee. Can I come back and have a coffee sometime? She's like, you can come back whenever you want. So she walked out knowing that she had received from Jesus an answer to what she had been praying. She found freedom from a place in her past that had been her darkest and hardest time. And she heard from Jesus and responded and came back and found her answer on a Monday afternoon at three o'clock in the afternoon. But she had no idea that she had answered my prayer because I had asked God whether I should go back to work or not. And the only way that I could see what ministry was was through a lens of a role and a car park and a position and a tag. That's all I knew. And it wasn't that I had believed some kind of sense of entitlement that came with those things because I learned to serve. I cleaned the toilets and I loved people and I just breathed and sowed and bled blood for our church. But Jesus wanted to clearly tell me that my everyday ordinary life mattered and he wanted to transform what was very ordinary and boring and plain and bring radical transformation. He transforms our ordinary. That's who Jesus is. He comes up and he rebels and he kicks and he moves stuff around. And he's like, hey, I'm here right in the middle of all the mess. And you know what? I love it. And that's what he says. He transforms our ordinary. Don't become so well conformed to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Allow God to bring what he is doing in your everyday and to transform your everyday. If you're a barista, be the most phenomenal barista that Sydney has ever seen. If you're a teacher, teach your children to love Jesus. By what you bring, he wants to transform our everyday. And he has tools. And you know what? Those tools are ordinary. They are ordinary. Here are some of his tools for transformation. Prayer. Do you know what prayer is? It's actually talking. Prayer is words. And then Jesus gets in the midst of them and when they are sacrificed before him and these words are offered in our everyday life, in ordinary way. Ordinary words transform. Transform. Jesus' answer, knock on the door. Prayer is ordinary words being transformed with an extraordinary God. And then we have communion. We come to communion, and communion is a loaf of bread and a glass of wine which back in the days of old is like Vegemite and a flat white. 
And he brings a Vegemite and flat white and transforms them into a place of sacrifice and worship and adoration and healing and hope and life. He transforms the ordinary and makes them extraordinary. And then we have baptism. We have a shower every day. I hope you get to have a shower at least every second day, mum, with children. And I hope that you get to have a shower by yourself sometimes. He takes water and washes the dirt, the story, the things that contain us, that hold us captive, the shackles, the ropes that have tied us, and he transforms them. He transforms them. Baptism is water turning into transformed, living a life of freedom. It's ordinary. Next Sunday, it's just water. Prayer, humility, laying down, letting go, transformation. Transformation with Jesus. These are his tools, washing of feet, humility, servanthood. Jesus came into a place where his feet were very dirty. I went to Nepal just two months ago, and I walked in rural Nepal with people who had lost everything from the earthquake. And they walked with thongs that had been tied up with ropes to keep their thongs together, but their feet were just so dusty. And when I looked at the feet of the Nepalese women, when they were filled with dust, and I looked at it and I just thought of Jesus and how people would have come to hang out and have McDonald's with him and sat. And he's like, let's just wash your feet. But as Jesus knelt, transform life, servanthood, transformation. We're called to be in the world, but not of it. Do you feel ordinary? Do you feel like what you have to give to God is quite plain and simple and boring? He's transforming it. When it's laid as a sacrifice, our sleeping, our eating, our standing with the coffee club queue, he wants to transform. He wants to transform you. As a young girl, I was christened in the Catholic Church, and I went to Catholic Mass pretty much every Sunday of my life until I was 20. And my salvation story is quite radical, but I knew God, and I had studied theology in university, and I loved God, but I had the most phenomenal encounter with Jesus. And I saw I came to a place where I had gone to Bible college and I was on staff and I was serving in our youth ministry and I just really felt like I wanted to stand up and be baptized and really recommit my life to Christ in that way and to really step into the things of God that he had for me. So in 1999, on the last day of the former millennium, I asked my youth pastor, and his wife at that stage, which is Wayne and Mary Simpson, who are now the Hong Kong pastors in C3, 
I asked that they would take me to the beach and baptize me right at that afternoon before the new dawn of the millennium. And that's where I got baptized. I'd been christened as a baby, but I wanted to stand and see that transformation and step into the ministry and the calling that God had for me in my life. And it was so powerful. But you know what was the most powerful part of it? Is I took my ordinary and handed it to God and became a conduit and allowed him to transform my life. And then just five years ago, after being single for 12 years in ministry, not one date, nothing, I found this amazing man of God sitting up the back of church and we decided to get married. And both of us had really big parts of our life and our testimony and particularly in the area of relationships where we really felt like there was some brokenness and there was parts of our life that we really wanted to consecrate to God. And so it was my husband's idea and he said, can I ask you something? Could we be baptized together the day before we're married? So we're saying that the old is passing away and the new is coming. Can we take the ordinary, the parts of our life that are broken, and can we leave them in the waters of baptism and step up into the new place of marriage that God had called us into? So we got our bridal party the day before we got married. Our non-Christian family members came and stood on the beach and watched us. And we were baptized together at the same time, ready for the new opportunity of marriage that was happening the next day. And you know what? I think that that sacramental time of sacrifice together was just as important as the vows that we made the next day. It was powerful. And you know what? As we were baptized, two dolphins came and played right next to us in the beach. And I was just like, God, hello. <laughs> and then the next day when we were married on the foreshore in Matilda Bay in Perth, two swans came past and walked in the midst of our reception and two dolphins went together across the water. He transforms our ordinary. He transforms us. This is what Corinthians says. 1 Corinthians 1.27, it says this. And I'm finishing with this scripture. Have we got it? I have gone back and forward, I'm sorry. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the walk of the things of the world to shame the strong. God actually takes foolish things and he transforms them. So if you feel foolish in the things that you're doing, if you feel hidden, if you feel like you are unseen, your ordinary can be extraordinary. Your ordinary can be transformed by God. He is a part of it. There's this most beautiful proverb that it's actually more like a story from the Jewish time in, in New York. And it's about a man who lived a very ordinary life, but he left the most extraordinary legacy. And he would walk around with two little notes in his pockets. He had a big jacket that he would walk every day with two little notes in his pockets. And the one on the left said this, I am but dust and ashes. And he would have that in his pocket. And on the other side, every day he put them in his pocket and he said this, For my sake, the world was created. 
we walk in the tension of the ordinary and the extraordinary. And if you are in here and you have not had the most beautiful moment where you have felt that you could transform what is ordinary into extraordinary. I think the most radical point of surrender for, for me was when I decided that I wanted Jesus as my friend. And he came and he transformed this messy, Catholic, broken girl and he brought the most phenomenal things into my future. We are but dust and ashes. We are very human. All of us actually have very plain moments. But for us, the world was created. For you, the world was created for you. The whole world was created for you.